0: At that time the Lord appointed seventy-two others, whom he had set ahead of him in pairs, to every town and place he intended to visit. He said to them, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. And to whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest in him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in the same house and eat and drink what is offered to you, for the laborer deserves his payment. Do not move about from one house to another. Whatever town you enter and they welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God is at hand for you. Whatever town you enter and they do not receive you, Go out into the streets and say, The dust of your town that clings to our feet, even that we shake off against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God is at hand. I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom on that day than for that town. The seventy-two returned rejoicing and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us because of your name. Jesus said, I have observed Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Behold, I have given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and upon the full force of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice because the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Many of us can probably call to mind different points in our life in which we were asked to set out or do something new, or by our own volition, decided to embark upon something new on our own. For some, that's whenever they go off to college for the first time, leaving their family. For some, that's whenever perhaps a child for the first time leaves the house and wondering what exactly that means, and all the many other instances within our own life that we experience this moment in which, oh my gosh, this is happening this something new is taking place and even for myself I remember when I first went to seminary you know I'm from Mercer County never planned on leaving Mercer County never planned on being more than 15 minutes from any of my family and here I was two and a half hours away from home embarking upon something new and it was well rather terrifying to be honest and I'm sure each of you experienced something similar in your own lives And in today's Gospel, I have to wonder if the 72 disciples that were sent out also felt the same thing. They had probably spent a period of months and maybe even a year or two with our Lord, being in proximity with him, traveling around and always having him within proximity so that if anything, a problem arose, there was always someone to whom they could turn to ask his question, ask for support, and ask for his aid and now here they are, sent ahead of him, by themselves with another. How terrifying that must have been, to know that this was being entrusted to them, and to that they were, in some ways, by themselves. But that's not exactly true, because then they return rejoicing, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us because of your name. They acknowledge, and we need to acknowledge, whenever we embark upon something new in our own lives, That it is by Christ's power that we are able to overcome. Because even as we begin this Beacons of Light process, I'm terrified at the prospect. I'm sure many of you have your own reasons for being fearful, having trepidation, and wondering exactly how this is all going to go. Justifiably so. But yet, the important thing is to remember that the Lord is always in the boat. He never really abandons us. And even though the 72 were sent out on their own, they acknowledge upon their return, and Jesus points out to them upon their return, that it is ultimately him who has given the power to them to drive out demons, to proclaim the word, and to witness to the gospel to those towns that they were sent to. And we even see in this gospel, as they mentioned the 72, kind of an interesting kind of implication and allusion to what the structure of the church and how it's even meant to work from our Lord's own example the Lord sends out these 72 into the everyday world, the surrounding villages, to proclaim the word, to proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand, to cure the sick, to be present to those people. But then, of course, we know that the Lord also had 12 apostles that would become the foundation of the church, that would become the cornerstones of his new mission upon his death, the first priest. But then, even more so, even closer, he gets even smaller. He said he appoints, or he has at those big moments within his own ministry, Peter, James, and John. Three close friends, collaborators that he asked to share in a special way, intimately with his own experience, his own mission. Those are the ones that are present at his transfiguration on Mount Tabor. Peter, James, and John's are also the ones that he asked to come pray with him in Gethsemane. And it's kind of interesting that. Given that I'm supposed to be an imitator of the Good Shepherd, and how much I fall short of that, and how often I fall short of that as pastor. Yet, the Lord has given me my Peter, James, and John, except their names are Father Steve, Father Andrew, and Father Aaron. Three vicars to aid me in this task. Of course, the Twelve Apostles kind of being like the staff, maybe councils, aiding me in my mission to help kind of form all of you. And then even further, the 72, 72 is much more than 72 here at McCartyville, even here at this Mass. But that's all of you. The 72 are each of us who've been confirmed, each of us who've been baptized and confirmed into Christ. Because yes, baptism is a sacrament of salvation. That is how we come into the life of the Trinity, the life of God himself, washed free of original sin, and that we're able to offer our lives back to God. But confirmation is really the sacrament of evangelization. Why? Because oftentimes we mistakenly kind of think of confirmation as graduation. We're done. I've reached the pinnacle of my faith and that's it. But that is a mistake, and that is incorrect. What ultimately confirmation is meant for and what it does, because each sacrament has a power, it gives us something special. And what it gave to you, to me at our confirmation, was the power to witness to the gospel. You were deputized to witness to the gospel. You were deputized to do the same things that the Lord gives the power of the 72 disciples to do. You were called to go out into your communities, your family, your friends, co-workers, so on and so forth, to witness to them, to proclaim by your life and by your words that Jesus Christ is Lord, that only through him is salvation that you are a sinner, that we are all sinners, and that it's only Jesus Christ who can heal that brokenness each of us experience within ourselves. Only he has the power to do that. And that is what your task is. Because I think so often the way that we think as Catholics is it all falls to the priest. It all falls to the pastor. It all falls to the staff. What our Lord shows us by his own example is that he wanted each and every one of you to participate in that mission. He wanted each and every one of you to take part, to become a saint in your everyday life, and to proclaim the gospel to those around you. Your family first, then everyone else in your circle of influence. This is the way in which the church is meant to work. And the thing is, and this is something I want you to know, that yes, we need to draw that strength. We need to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. And I am meant to be support staff. What I am meant to do as pastor, what we are meant to do as priest, is to form you for that task. By our preaching, by our teaching, by our faithful celebration of the sacraments. We are meant to form you in the correct way so that you know what the truths of the faith are, so that you know who Jesus Christ really is. But at the end of the day, it is not my job to evangelize the world. My task is to form you. That's your job. That's your task. And as we reflect and think about that, remember. Remember that. Because I trust you with that. Say that again. I trust you. I trust you to do that in your lives. Does it mean you're always going to do it perfectly? No. No. I don't even expect that of myself. I know I'm going to make many mistakes as pastor. It always happens. But in many ways, if I'm not, then I'm probably not doing what I should be doing. Because we need to be bold. We need to have courage and move forward. Because this is always what the Lord asks us, to step out of the boat. Get out of the boat. That is what he tasked with us in throughout the gospel. Whenever he asked Peter to get out, that is what he asked us to do too. To sometimes leave the comfort and security that we often have. But instead trust that he will take care of us no matter what. He will see us through no matter what. Because it is by Christ's power that we're able to proclaim the gospel. That we're able to cure the sick by listening to the sorrowful heart. By helping to give just a listening ear to a friend who may be in need and then so many other ways. I trust you, the Lord trusts you, and he's given you the power, the power by virtue of your confirmation, to witness the gospel and to become the saint that he is calling you to be.